Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Uh, we do come your way uh, each week with three programs, uh, Sundays at 7 a.m., 7 p.m., and Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. Podcasts are at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations, uh, too numerous to mention. Also places that you folks have been reposting our interviews to. Thank you so much. We are also on YouTube. Tell me your story, Richard Dugan. Either or, we'll get you there. Just look for the guy with the hat, okay? And uh, we hope that you will uh, take a listen to the program, share them with people that uh, you know who uh, are interested or that you would like to have interested in what we're talking about, what our guests have to offer, uh, to help change the world, change the world for a better. These uh, We bring you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true, looking for those new ways of living. We also encourage you, if you are able to do so, uh, to support this program financially. We can use all the help that we can get. We do have a PayPal and Patreon account for your security as well as ours. And uh, we also ask you to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s. Spend some time going within, listening to that still, small voice, finding that peace, calm, quiet place that you can just kind of relax and rejuvenate and refocus and recenter. We hope that you will take time to do that. Hope you'll also take time to spend time with us today as we talk with a very special uh, uh, guest, a gentleman who is a humanitarian filmmaker and he's joining us here he is a local here in santa barbara i believe uh, and um emmanuel itchy i uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the program it's uh, great to have you with us well great having you absolutely great being with you and uh, i'm so glad we can have this little talk this morning we're gonna try to wake up and shake up the world and uh, it's a call for action every morning right exactly right you're absolutely right it is a call to action you know, uh, as I mentioned just a moment ago about uh, having people spend time going within, I think that's important. And there is a certain element of action in that. OK, there is a certain element of that. Um, <clears throat> by the same token, when one is getting prompted by that still small voice, they're being prompted to do something, even if it's just to change their mindset. And I find that that is so fascinating to me uh, that uh, uh, people are uh, are beginning to do that. The, the process is underway for them. And you help them to do that through the films that you produce. And uh, we want to talk about that. Uh, you have a website, uh, Wonderland uh, is where people can go. Uh, Wonderland group. Uh, actually, the website. Uh, if I can, uh, I'll bring that up here, uh, is actually, uh, I have here wonderlandgroup.com. Uh, Wonderland and ENT group.com. Ah, wonderlandentgroup.com, and you folks can go there. We will be linked to your website as well, uh, Emmanuel, because um, we want people to continue to research these things. Um, tell us about... Uh, some of these films, you've got one called uh, Guns, Bombs, and War, another entitled The Secret Physics of Consciousness, something we talk about a lot. You also have The Cure, Healing the, Healing the Mind and Healing the Body, 
and that's uh, just to, to mention a few there. Let's uh, let's start with the the general premise of how you became, as is referred to, a humanitarian filmmaker. What makes a person? What makes you a humanitarian filmmaker? Well, it's basically in one word. When you realize that uh, I am, because we are. And we usually get to that revelation that we are also important to each other, complementary to each other, and therefore at the service of each other, a humanitarian for each other, after a certain number of years of facing the truth of life, experiencing life. In my case, I was, you know, this young French guy who met a woman on a plane. She happened to be American, so here I am. Um, and then uh, that path of life uh, get me to direct movies. Uh, the movies I directed at first were very lame, exploitative uh, commercial movies you see late at night on Sci-Fi Channel or Showtime, a mix of uh, action, horror, thriller. Uh, I wasn't that satisfied with doing that. I thought this was kind of garbage entertainment. But it was paying the bill. But sometimes there was a little voice within that was saying, you know, you can do more. You can you look look at the the, the craziness of this world. We have two thirds of the world population living with less than hundred fifty dollars a month. This is intolerable, this is not normal. So what is causing that? And so I thought maybe with my art, which is filmmaking, I can I can explore that. I can try to document why we are in this crisis, whether it's emotional, spiritual, economical, or political. So I embark on to uh, really uh, a, a, a journey to discover who we are, why I am, uh, and why we are. And so the collection of documentaries that I call the Oneness Collection came from this. And uh, as you mentioned, we have uh, now... Uh, produced and I directed five um, quite, I think, important uh, document documentaries. One is called The Invocation. It's an exploration of the notion of oneness. Another one is called Femme, Women Healing the World, how we need to rebalance the masculine and feminine energy in the world, but within ourselves. Another one is called The Cure, as you mentioned, healing the mind, healing the body, and healing the planet. Because as, uh, until we have a healthy mind, a healthy body and a healthy environment, it will still be chaos. There is a total disharmony, disbalance in the world. So it's about all integrating and rebalancing all these energies. Um, and to do that, obviously, you need to approach politics and economics. Economics is economia. It's a management of the resources. Are we doing economics? right now? No, we're doing gangsters. We're stealing from each other. You know, it's global slavery still. And then are we doing politics for the people? Absolutely not. We're doing gangsterism. It's a thug against uh, this, uh, this side and uh, that side. It's, it's a nonsense. It's division, perpetual division. So I think we need to, to revise uh, what these words mean and, and, and understand them and realize that we are both Republican and Democrat. We are both atheist and religious. You know, they, it's all complementary. You know, I don't see each other in competition at any time. I, I just see beautiful souls, um, incredible genuses that need to reach out to each other to be one, to act as one, because that's this oneness that makes things possible and brings 
forward life. So that's uh, that's how you become a, a humanitarian filmmaker, you know, by realizing the oneness of the world, you know, and quantum physics obviously proves that, that we are just a big assemble of intertwined molecules. So why deny our oneness? We are one. Let's let's be responsible now, now and, and be mature and grow up. So it's about growing up. And I think that's when you become somebody, when you grow up. You know, you've, you've mentioned a, a couple of things here I wanted to touch upon. Number one, you, you made reference to the fact that uh, many, many people on the planet are, uh, uh, how do I put this? Well, as you put it, uh, making less than $1.50 a day or something along those lines, you know. And the thing that comes to mind, and, and again, from the comparison, okay, the economic comparison that you've made that, that is statistical, you didn't create this, I, I, I struggle with this concept that they are not making as much as you or I might be making per hour or per day or week or month or year. And yet at the same time, when I see some of these uh, documentaries about other cultures, uh, especially what we will label as more primitive, they seem to be pretty damn happy. They seem to be living their lives just like some of these tribes that they came across in the in the in the rainforests in in Brazil, uh, in South America, who have never had contact with the modern world, the Western world as we like to call it. But they're doing just fine, living their lives. They'll do a little hunting to feed their families. They'll do a little growing of crops to feed their families. Uh, they might even do some trading between villages. This kind, But they don't have bank accounts. They don't have smartphones. They don't have satellite television uh, or on-demand. They don't have any of it. No refrigerators, no cars. And the list goes on of what they don't have. And they don't know that they don't, they don't know that uh, uh, they're lacking anything. They're just living, they're thriving. They are absolutely thriving. And we think we've got to go in there and give them or help them to get all of these modern conveniences. That's kind of where I want to start this because it seems to me that the modern materialistic society in which you and I live, it's where we live, I'm not saying that's our mindset per se, but where we live seems to want to tell us, convince us, cajole us, market to us that we've got to have all of these things. I mean, every time I turn around, it's like uh, when you go on the internet and you search for something, you find it and you buy it, which is fine. Now, every place else you go as you are going to YouTube or you're going to a website to gather information or maybe a research project or for your film, you get all these ads popping up trying to sell you the thing you just bought or that you just looked at. I was looking for a replacement hat, right? I didn't even, I, I didn't buy one. I decided I was going to wait and maybe find it locally. And now every ad that pops up is for the hat. And they don't, they don't quit. So let's talk about how important is this construct, I will call it at this point, of economics. How important is it really to the overall 
health and well-beings being mentally, physically, mentally, uh, emotionally, spiritually, to human existence when we start taking a look at the, the aforementioned example of the various communities, tribes, villages that, that are thriving, having a great life, living to ripe old ages, I'm sure, they're doing fine. Can, can, can you talk to us about that? And has one of your films addressed this aspect of hum, human existence? So, yes. Uh, well, first, I travel the world, so I can really see how we live here with abundance and sometimes with an abuse of abundance, as you mentioned. It's a little bit uh, pushy, it's a little bit forced, uh, and it's not in real balance. Uh, at the same time, if we knew how to uh, balance the use of this tool, the use of the Internet, the use of consuming without abusing, it's beautiful because indeed you have an abundance of everything. doesn't mean to, that you need to be a gluten and overdose on your abundance. So here we are, we are addicts of our own abundance. Over there, uh, in the Amazonia forest, in India, whatever, they are not happy. That's an illusion of happiness. They are not happy for the simple reason that they die very young. They have all type of disease. They have no food. They are miserable. As you said, it's just a frame of mind that gives you the illusion they're happy because on one side, they believe in reincarnation. So, oh, my life is right now. No big deal. Tomorrow I'm going to be reincarnated into a king. Well, that's that doesn't solve anything. You know, so... It, on one side, you have a addiction of too much abundance, not too much abundance, an addiction to abundance. And on the other side, you don't have enough abundance. You have misery. You have poverty. These people are not happy. And especially they're not happy because they know we've got it all and they have nothing. So before the Internet, maybe at least they could be, you know, ignorance is bliss, as they say. Well, yeah, they were, they were ignorant. They didn't know how well we had it here. Now they know it because of the Internet. So when I go to India or Africa or Latin America in remote villages, they, they are dying to get what I have, you know, a computer, a car, a nice home with no disease. Even so, as we see, disease finds us eventually if we're not careful and if we don't work as one, which is, by the way, the ultimate metaphor is that between the have and have not, at the end of the day, we all die. So it's better to share. So that's the answer. The answer is about sharing. So it's not about an overabundance or not enough. It's about sharing whatever you have. So if we have computers, everybody should have computers. If we have internet, everybody should have internet. If we have a vaccine, everybody should have a vaccine, especially if it protects you from a disastrous COVID-19 or something else. And then we can always argue about, okay, is it dangerous or not? Well, yeah, sure, of course. But in life, you have to take risks. As I always say, every day I wake up to run the risk of dying. So every day to live, you have to, race, to run the risk of dying. You take your car, you go on the freeway, you might die. But what? You're going to stay home and do nothing? So, again, it's, it's about having common sense, being reasonable, being in harmony, in balance, and not thinking that it's better on the other side of the fence, as uh, you know, the saying. It's not. It's, it's complicated everywhere, but it's beautiful everywhere. And if only we could share it a bit more, this, this abundance. 
and we could put it in balance here without being addicts of our own consumerism and over there by giving them a little more so they don't die at age 40. So they don't live in total poverty with no house, no sewer, no water. This is, this is horrible. You go to India, I went to India, I went to Egypt, I went to South Africa, I was crying every second. I had tons of kids coming to me and saying, please, food, please, food. You know, I've got three boys. My boys have food every day. These kids have no food. So, no, sadly, they are not happy, my friend. Okay, but are and we-, we And we are not. Mm-hmm. But together, we can be happy mm-hmm. if we share. And if we, again, uh, really share this frame of mind you were talking about, that construct, because indeed, to a certain point, it is a construct, but there is, there is, there is, the construct is what you want to do with your mind, and the reality is that physical reality that surrounds us. But we can make a physical reality that is acceptable for everybody and comfortable with everybody. We don't need to live naked in the forest to be happy, or we don't need to be living in a castle with uh, tons of cars and uh, beautiful girls. Mm -hmm. So it really... Both. Right. It it really comes down to where your mind and heart are more than anything else, more than the the things that you have. Yeah. Remember, we all want. Right. So that raises the question that, and and again, your point is well taken as far as your travels and your experiences. How would they even know that they want all of the things we have Unless, they, the unless they've been shown those things in yeah, some fashion. Yeah, they've been shown it. Of course, they've been but, shown but, it through the internet. Even in the most remote village, you have somebody who's got a cell phone who have access to YouTube, and that's it. But aren't there some tribes, like in the Amazon rainforest? Very few. Very few. Very very few. few. Right, because they're getting even pushed tribe, out. Even this tribe have humanitarian doctors coming and visit them. And these doctors have fun, and so they show them what is there outside in the world. So little by little, the new generation leave the villages because they are like, hell no, we don't want to live in that nonsense poverty with no clothes and freezing and having snakes and disease. We want to come to your civilization. They don't know that civilization is has become uncivilized. Yes. <laughs> That's the problem. So over there, they need to evolve. And here, we need to slow down, you know. Yeah. So it's, well, again, it's and about that's sharing. A good point. It's that, about that's sharing. Very... It's about finding the, the medium, comfortable way of living. Right. Without, right. you know, it's, it's, it's good to be healthy, but it's not be good to be obese. You right. Know? So, Exactly. That's the problem. We are obese in our mind, in our craving, in our addiction, in our wanting. Mm. We are obese in our bodies. Uh, we are obese in our way of life and in everything. So we don't need to be obese. We need to go on a diet. Doesn't mean we need to become anorexic. So right, so right. It, no, it's a big balance you. between anorexia and obesity. You see, yeah. there is a medium. Well, now here's here's an interesting twist. Um, and this is. It's, 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 it's in regards to the immigration issue that we face here in this country, people coming across the southern border. But it, 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 it's like I'm, I'm a little perplexed from this standpoint. When we go to other countries and participate, if not instigate, um, conflict, when the conflict is over, and this doesn't happen all the time, but many times, we then will spend billions, if not trillions, of dollars to help to rebuild. We've done that with Iraq. Um, 
There's a reason why people are flooding across the border into this country, and it's probably the very thing that you have just been talking about. So my question to you is, and this is still sort of on that economics uh, slant, and it's probably the same answer that you've already given. Why not, instead of generating a conflict, we'll go in and destroy things, then we'll spend billions of dollars to rebuild. Why not find out what it is these people want? Because I know they don't want to leave their country. This is where they were born and raised, but they, they can't survive. Why not spend the billions of dollars helping them and their country to build an infrastructure that supports them and is sustainable, et cetera, et cetera, instead of the billions of dollars spent to, say, put up a wall? You know, it's like, you don't have to come here. We'll show you how to make your place better. Does that yeah. go back to the same answer you gave earlier of sharing yeah, well, and, and again, now you are talking about political sharing. So the big issue, the ultimate issue we have on planet Earth is that uh, even so, we are many tribes, many countries, we are sharing the same planet, but we are not sharing it, meaning that every country thinks about itself first, America first, France first, Germany first, uh, Russia first, China first. It's like, wait a second, I thought we import, export to each other, we're all in debt with each other, aren't we? Yeah. Yes, we are. Yeah. So, so the notion that a country is better or first to another is really just plain ignorance, naivety, stupidity, or even more, dishonesty. You know, it's, it's uh, that illusion that I am the king of the world. You're not. The, the kings of the world don't exist anymore. It's the people of the world. It's with the people, with the power. And so, indeed, the, the problem with immigration, it's not an American problem. It's not a French problem. It's not a German problem. It's not an Iraqi problem. It's a global problem. And that doesn't mean, again, that globalism, uh, it's, you know, when people are against globalism. Well, what is globalism? Globalism, the reality of globalism should be the reality of a UN, United Nations, put into action. Because the big problem we have is we have this, Beautiful institution, in theory, the UN, but it's impractical, A, because nobody respects them. They are a side society, a very close side society, and B, because you have five countries who have total control, America, Russia, China, UK, and France, and they dictate whatever the heck they want to do take to the rest of the world. So I don't call that democracy. I call that gangsterism again. So the UN is a big gangster. So we don't need them. We, need, we needed them as a, as a construct of the mind, as, as a beautiful idea. And now that idea needs to be really implemented. So to solve immigration, you're not going to solve it even by sending money over there without being really looking after that money. Because as we know, most of these countries are super corrupted in their form of, the, of, of government. Most of them are totalitarian government, gangst even more gangsterist government than ourselves. But if we have a united world where we have a responsible head of state, then together we work. And for example, with immigration, these millions of poor people coming from the South, if one voice, not only the US, but the US with Europe, with Russia, China, tell these countries enough is enough, you know, we're helping you already with money. If you need more, 
heck, it's just money. Who cares? Money has no, no value right now, okay? We have $27 trillion of debt in the U.S. So what does that mean? France has eight and so on and so on. Money is just a tool. It's like having Shell in the in the old days. So, mm-hmm. so anyway, it's if it's about money, it's easy. We can solve it. Money grow on tree. Money goes grow on tree. Mm-hmm. Remember that. It's everywhere. So the issue is not about money. The issue is how do you manage that money? And the only way you manage money is together. You know, in a family, if you have only the husband or the wife managing the money. Eventually, it goes south at some point. The guy starts gambling or the woman's going to overbuy dresses. You need to share. You need to be open. You need to uh, think beyond yourself and, and think in terms of the family, what's necessary for the family. So it's okay to be selfish, but, but for two seconds and realize again, I am because we are. So to solve immigration, we will solve it if we work as one planet. And that applies, you know, when the French people always complain about, ah, we have too many Arabs, too many blacks and coming from Africa. Well, yeah, and you're going to keep having them because, again, nobody's really talking strongly in one voice to this government who abuse their own people and force them to leave their country. Mm. You know, these people don't want to come here. They have no other choice. As you said, they are desperate. They are being killed. They have no food. So, of course, it's a naive illusion that, again, the, the grass is greener in the other country. Well, it's not. Look at our unemployment, you know, look at uh, our violence, look at our crisis, our division. We're not better countries than the other country. You know, on one side, we have a bit more comfort, material comfort, but it's very fragile. It can disappear in an instant. And we saw it with the COVID. It took just a damn virus to make us fall from grace. So be reasonable and realize we all need each other. And we can solve again immigration, like world poverty and and, 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 and religious tension if we work as one voice, you know. Mm. But we need to have this 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 unity of what exists already because we have the G8, the G20. So in theory, there is already a, a united world government, but every time they get together, they just get drunk and solve nothing. So mm-hmm. obviously, I don't think the problem is with the system. I think the problem is, is with the people. We obviously didn't vote for the right person. You know, we voted yeah. for idiots. And we saw it here for the last four years. Doesn't mean that the next four are going to be better. Hopefully, we'll see. If not, I'd be the first one to say, screw that guy. He's as worse as the previous one. Let's find somebody else. But we need to find responsible, honest, as honest as possible politicians who are not going to screw our beautiful heaven. You know, life, earth yeah. is heaven. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, it's here. You don't go wait to be dead to find it. It's yeah. here. Yeah. But we have to manage it together as one. Yeah. As they say, be careful what you wish for. We're talking with Emmanuel Etier, and he is a humanitarian filmmaker. We're going to talk about some of his films as well. I want you to know you are listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan. I wanted to talk to you more, uh, Emmanuel, about one of your uh, one of your movies having to do with consciousness and uh, what you have found out through the process of your your film about where it is, uh, what it is, maybe even the why, if you will. If if those are any questions that you were asking, um, because I do remember seeing a documentary. Uh, not long ago on death and dying and they wanted to find out the same question as far as uh, consciousness but more from a 
a more physical standpoint. So what they did was they had somebody who had agreed beforehand uh, to allow them uh, to weigh them before and after their passing. And now, of course, we're talking about this person who is actually on a scale and they monitored the change in weight and there was like a, a quarter to a half pound difference lighter following the passing of this individual. Um, so I thought that was a rather interesting experiment that someone was willing to do. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about your discoveries in regards to consciousness in this film. Well, you know, first we have to wonder what does that mean, consciousness? Consciousness is a science of uh, learning yourself. Uh, conscious comes from conscious in Latin, which is knowing, aware. So it's about the, that self-awareness. When do you really trigger that? That's very, very difficult to analyze because is it a, uh, a organic process? Is it a force process? I think it's a little bit of above. Uh, of all of the above. I think that we become of conscious of ourselves after a few years of having our mind being educated and liberated. And that has to come together because too much education becomes preachiness and can impose a system of thoughts that's going to enslave you and not enough education is going to turn you into a wild thing. <laughs> so, so again, <laughs> as you see, you become conscious and you have a, a consciousness of yourself and the world with, uh, with patience. With, it's like a, you know, a sculpture, your, the sculpture of your mind that you have to constantly sculpt and being very attentive to that sculpture you're trying to bring uh, together, to, uh, to give life to. So it's, that's what I found out, that you know, it's not a very simple answer even so the process is simple to understand because again it's about balance it's about being very caring very precise very uh, patient uh, very loving you know i think mm. that again we educate sometimes with uh, too much brutality too much force and we think our notion of democracy or religion of politics is the only one in the world, as you mentioned before. No, it's not. We have all type of tribes around the world from the most remote in the Amazonia to the most not so remote next to us in Santa Barbara. So, so you know, it's again, I think if we keep the conversation rolling, uh, rock and rolling uh, <laughs> together, maybe we will get somewhere. But right now we, we are little babies making little baby steps, you know, and we are far away from being uh, grown-ups and mature individual. What I see is uh, plain brutality and, and abuse and, uh, and ultimately stupidity because it's killing uh, a potential of having somebody out there that maybe have a, a permanent cure to a COVID or a permanent solution to uh, economical disparity or or even the notion of God. What is God? Please mm. tell me. Mm. You know, I've stopped believing in Santa Claus when I was 10. And now you're telling me that there is another Santa Claus and his name is God. <laughs> okay, why not? But can we explain what, what it is and how that works? Because it doesn't seem like it works well, especially in a pandemic time yeah. when everybody 
die whether you believe or not. Yeah, uh, you and I are on the same uh, wavelength here because especially when it comes to loss of life uh, uh, under most circumstances, especially as you use the word brutality, uh, my first thought goes to the lost potential and the examples that you just gave. Uh, you know, I, I just sit here and and then, of course, uh, the other aspect we talked earlier uh, about that I'll, I'll just throw this out there. Uh, when I hear about um, foreign policy, specifically of this country, and that we want to, quote unquote, export democracy, I, I sit there and I think, you really think that's a good idea? Look where we are. And, you know, you talked about the the different types of obesity that we are suffering from right now. Uh, and I, I just sit here going, leave them alone. Let them figure, if they want our help, that was the other part of it too, is nine times out of ten we go where we've never been asked to go to provide or export whatever it is that it is that we feel we need to be exporting. And they didn't ask for our help. And I say, if they want our help, let them ask, and then we will, we will come and help. Until then, we're going to stay out of it. And again, that is not, I'm not taking a nationalistic perspective here. I'm taking the perspective uh, that you, you, can, you can make the offer to them but you don't force it upon them any more than, let's just say, and, and again, I, I say this hypothetically, Emmanuel, if you were a drug addict or you were an alcoholic, I'm not going to force you to go to rehab. You have to want to go to rehab, right? And until you're ready, it's not going to take. I mean, don't we hear constantly, especially from the entertainment industry, of individuals who have a drug problem and they go to rehab and they come out and then they relapse and they go to rehab and they come out and they and they go through that cycle until one day something clicks for them. Boom. And now now they're able to live their lives. Uh, it seems to me that that is that is the humanitarian way of helping people. It's great to uh, give a man a fish, as they say, even better to teach him how to fish. But the next question is, does he want to, does he even want to learn how to fish? And I say that metaphorically speaking. Talk to us a little bit about that aspect of our humanness as a human tribe globally, almost 8 billion people, and being there for one another but not forcing ourselves upon one another. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's again, it's a very uh, thin balance between becoming a, a teacher and turning into a preacher. And the preacher has an agenda that is really preaching to you and forcing onto you and is trying to mold you. And I think that's damaging. That's why I never uh, advise any parents to force religion on their kids before they are a certain awareness of themselves. Because honestly, if not, it's a borderline mind rape. You know, you are putting ideas in their mind uh, for what reason and based on, on what uh, honest truth. <laughs> I mean, 
give me a break. So again, you know, you cannot force humanity or your notion of humanity onto another human, but you can definitely share mm -hmm. and try to argument your point of view and uh, and select, uh, uh, you know, argument that might be valid or not and see how that person reacts. So again, it's about sharing sharing that beautiful one mind that ultimately we are, because as you said, we are 8 billion people. We are definitely eight unique specimen, each of us, even so we have a very similar DNA, have so many different construct of our mind that the intelligence at the end is so different. And there isn't a more intelligent or less intelligent or more emotional or less emotional. They are different people, but that difference create a specific unique power because that's what i want people to realize that they are powerful they are people of power the problem they are told no you are an idiot don't think don't <laughs> act stay in that little box i i decided to put you in that's it you, yeah. you'll be always a janitor you'll be always a president you'll be always a slave you'll be always a master no we are all of that yeah. at certain time so and 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 it comes together life comes together when you put in common look you know a man and a woman create a baby by putting their resources together well that's a metaphor for life in in the big picture mm -hmm. if really we bring forth all our energy or creative energy uh, whether they are mental or physical then we can solve everything so it's not about forcing and abusing each other it's about again sharing and putting all the cards on the table what is your deck what do you have in your deck because i know your deck of cards is different as mine and maybe together we have the two aces that we need to strike right. beauty in this world right right so it's like, yeah. <laughs> let's learn let's learn to play together yeah. you know life is is a big game. That's yeah. it. That's all it is. Yeah. It's 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 it doesn't have to be miserable. Yeah. Let's it, work together to create a full deck, folks. <laughs> let's have some fun. Let's be you know, eternal kids who want to play and look at that. There is an abundance of everything. Yeah. There's plenty of money, plenty of water, plenty of food, plenty of resources. What there isn't is sharing. Yeah. There isn't that. There now, are people and two thirds of the eight billion who lives in crap. And there's us struggling not to fall in crap. And guess what? We are falling into crap. So sooner or later, we're going to wake up. It's going to be Mad Max and the walking dead everywhere. Mm. So please wake up, people. Yeah. You know, uh, you also raise uh, something I wanted to talk to you about in that regard to the sharing aspect, especially when we talked ec economics earlier. And that has to do with the big argument. Uh, it was part of the attempt by the uh, and, and again, I'm just this is these are my observations, folks. I'm not taking sides. It was the Republican campaign uh, constantly, whether it was the local campaigns for senator or congressman or the national, constantly uh, throwing up the accusation that if you vote for the other guy, you are going to throw us into socialism. And I kept hearing that, and I'm going, well, wait a minute. Uh, you know, it sounds like there are only three economic formats. Um, free enterprise and capitalism, socialism, and communism. And I'm thinking, come on, are we that stupid that, that we can only think of three? Only think of three? And what you said earlier, just a few moments ago, 
Uh, I have also I also agree with you on there is more than enough. There is no deficiency of any resource, as we like to call them, on the planet. It's all about the distribution or we'll change that word to the sharing. I don't know if you're familiar with a, a visionary architect. His name is was Jacques Fresco. And he has a, a, a community, if you will. He was an architect who developed what's called the Venus Project. I interviewed him when he was 94 and then 99, shortly before his passing. And he would talk about his vision. And he said it was there were three pillars. I remember one of them with the economic pillar. He said that there would no longer be ownership of resources. That the resources would belong to all the people. You would still need distribution, but the distributors wouldn't own it either. And uh, for example, and I use this analogy. You know the little flash drives, the USB flash drives we have? Well, you walk into a store and there's a barrel of them, all right? And you walk in and you pick up one. I only need one, you know. I'm going to go home and I'll use it. Da, da, da. So you're walking home and a guy comes up to you with a gun and says, I want the flash drive. Well, the difference between today and that uh, uh, scenario is I would just hand it over to him. I said, here, I'm going to give you this. But, you know, just down the street here, there's a store that has a barrel full of them if you really need one. So you're not really stealing from me. OK, I, I might be the distributor in your case, although you don't really need the gun. If you want it, I'll give it to you. I'll go get another one. It's no big deal. OK, I'm not I, you know, I, I, I you know, and so. Um, and then, of course, he's designed these communities where you work in the community where you live. Uh, it's sort of like a circular community. You can have a car if you want, but you wouldn't need one. If you didn't need one, you don't have to have one. Uh, there would be public transportation, shuttles, this, that, or the other thing. You could walk, you could bicycle, you could however other method that you wanted. Um, you wouldn't need air travel anymore because there would be these high-speed rails and or tubes. And you could actually go from, and I remember hearing this, Los Angeles. Let's say you wanted to have, you're there in, let's just say you're in France. All right, Emmanuel, you're in France, and we're chatting. Hey, why don't you come out for lunch? No problem. I jump on this high-speed shuttle, uh, uh, this, this monorail, if you will. I'm there in an hour from Los Angeles to France to Paris. We have lunch. I get back for my afternoon meeting. Yeah, I don't need airfare. I don't need to fly. We get the planes out of the sky. Uh, and so on and so on and so on. I mean, he was an incredible individual who shared all of these wonderful ideas. And I'm wondering about your vision of the future as a humanitarian filmmaker. What, what do you see on the horizon for us as a species? Basically, it's going to depend on one thing, uh, who are going to be our leaders of tomorrow, because I see two things on the horizon. I see what uh, is going on right now, and it's leading us to Mad Max and The Walking Dead, a total desolated world in constant fight, war, uh, social distortion, uh, mini civil war. I see that if, it, if we keep going in that direction, meaning we elect 
Dumbos at the head of our government, and these Dumbos fight the other Dumbos, and it's a land of the dumb, a land of the dead. <laughs> so that's that's where we're going. Trust me, there's no escaping right now, right now. At the same time, there is if we are all becoming peace in action. That means we stop the bitching, we stop the whining, and we take our destiny in our hands. And how do you do that? Well, you have to run for office, whatever your office is. It's your church, it's your football club, it's whatever, your card game club. You have to take charge, you have to organize, you have to unite, and you have to lead. So everybody needs to be a micro leader uh, and some of us need to run for president. And by the way, that's exactly what I did. Last year, I created my political movement after studying with the people through my documentaries for over 10 years around the world. I created a political movement called the French Victory, and I'm running for president of France next year. Oh. Uh, so, yeah. So that's, you know, that's, that's doable. Doesn't mean I'm going to make it. But at least I'm trying because I'm fed up of all these gangsters and baboons screwing up my country. And one of the other things, hey, too, no, though, that I'm you're not. one of the other things you're going to do, though, whether you win or not during the campaign, you are going to raise issues. You are going to start conversations, right? I'm raising awareness. I'm raising consciousness. Mm -hmm. I'm making people aware. No, no, there is another way. There is another solution. And these gangsters a, obviously, they don't have the solution because it's a perpetuation of the same mind rape for the last 30 years. So obviously, stop being naive. All of them are bozos and zeros. Uh, so there, is, there must be some other way, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm proposing that, you know, uh, in a very, by the way, very organic way. You know, when I look at uh, the revenues of any government, roughly 50 percent of the revenue of any given government comes from sales taxes. Mm. So that's it. That's, you know, so it's consumerism, but it's it can be healthy consumerism. You don't need 10 cars or 10 T-shirts, but you can buy a retirement plan. You can buy a vacation. You can buy a book. You can buy a play, a dinner with your wife. That's healthy consumerism. So mm. that's basically what I'm preaching. Right. <laughs> I'm not following. That's what I'm trying to educate people with. And another way of looking at this abundance that we have and making it free and, and abundant for everybody. Because I agree with your, your friend, we don't need ownership on anything. By the way, what do we own? Nothing. We only own debt, basically. Yeah. That's really what you own. Yeah. That's it. You know, we were, <laughs> my wife and I were actually talking about this. And of course, I hear this, this uh, argument, uh, especially here in California, in regards to uh, a property ownership. You know, and there's a wonderful line in an uh, Irish song that goes, you don't own the land, the land owns you. And I, I've come to this conclusion. And again, I do understand where these individuals are coming from as far as uh, uh, perpetuating uh, the philosophy of uh, property ownership, especially under our uh, democratic form of government and the Constitution and all of that. But the reality is... I don't care what piece of paper you have or anything, you don't own it. I don't care what the bank says, they don't own it. Because in a hundred or a thousand years, you're not going to own it and neither are they. Someone else is going to quote unquote own it. And we have lost, I believe, and again, I'm not, a, I, I'm not sitting here saying, let's do away with that. 
property ownership. No, no, no. What I am saying is that we need to change our mindset from that standpoint. I, I have owned, quote unquote, two homes in my life. One was with my first wife. Great house. Loved it. Wish I had been able to hold on to it. And the second home was the one that my wife, my present wife and I lived in in Phoenix. Now, it was less of a home from the standpoint of some economic benefit and more of a, a chip that at one point I was going to cash in. And we did. And then we moved here to Santa Barbara. We don't own a home here. We are renting a home that somebody else, quote unquote, owns. And I don't feel any different. Now, we are fortunate that this particular owner has allowed us to do some of the things that we have wanted to do. Little things, nothing major. We're not tearing walls out and that kind of thing. But it is our home when you talk about making a house a home. It is definitely that for us. But in terms of, of, of this whole aspect of uh, socialism, that is the accusation. Um, can I throw out this analogy? We have, I don't know how many trillions of cells in our human body. Okay? And I ask this question of people. Under what form of government do the cells of your body function? I mean, if there, if there were such a thing. And you can't say democracy because democracy seems to promote individualism and individualism doesn't work in a multi-celled organism because each cell wants to do its own thing and so guess what the body no longer exists it's not communism because you're not being forced to do stuff under some centralized form of government and nor is it socialism i came up with another ism it's kind of long it's still an ism I'd love your opinion on this. Interdependentism. Your thoughts. Yeah. Your thoughts. Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, that's a very, yeah, or, or communitarism. You know, it's it's all about, but first, you know, people who are scared of, of the word socialism, uh, well, it comes from social. It's a science of what is social. And social is from socialists in Latin, which mean of compassion, companionship, of allies, mm -hmm. uniting, living with other. So, I mean, obviously, we are creator, creatures of living together. That's, mm -hmm. that's why we are alive, is to live with each other. If not, we would be a Robin Crusoe on an island. And we're not. There is, there is no island today with one guy or one woman living alone. So, indeed, it's all about this companionship, this, uh, this uh, sharing, this humanism that we want to share with others. And, uh, and again, the problem is not the system, whether it's socialism, communism, capitalism, all this ism. <laughs> Who cares at the end? You know, it's... it's uh, it's easy to brand a system, but it's like when people say, oh, well, guns are bad. Well, it's not guns that are bad because we can kill each other with our own hands, you and I, in a, in a fight. So what's bad is, is us, is we the people. Mm -hmm. We are the problem, not the system, not the guns, not the bombs, not the war. And, and by the way, all of that is created by our sick mind anyway mm -hmm. to destroy something else. 
So it's us the problem. So it's us that need to go through a re-education. And it's not a re-education in the sense of Mao going into an entertainment camp. It's more about liberating the mind. You know, I always say the, the last revolution is going to be the revolution of the mind when really we unveil the truth of our mind and its capacity, when we can fly, when we can create, when we can bind spoon. Yeah, why not? I mean, look at this volcano of energies we are, and we are using barely 10% of it. Yeah. So we are idiots in a way, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or genius is in, in jail, in our mind jail right now. But it could be liberated. And I think that liberation is going to come when we work together and we stop abusing and raping each other. So mm. that's it. You know, that's my philosophy of life. It's let's get to work. Shut up and let's get to work. <laughs> Emmanuel Etier is my guest here on the program. He's a humanitarian filmmaker. Um, are these films currently available, and where are they yes. available? Uh, they are all over the, the, the Internet world. They are very close to you. You can find all of my movies, on, especially in the U.S. and Canada, on Amazon Prime, on iTunes, all the the basic uh, criminals. <laughs> <laughs> now, you you know, what's interesting when you were talking about uh, um, expounding upon my comment, I, the first thought that came to me, too, was uh, as you defined, as you defined the word socialism, okay, the definition. And I, I think that's extremely important. I was working for a Christian radio station for a while, and I was telling people, do you understand Christianity is metaphysical? So no, 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 that's new age. No, no, no. Do you know what the definition of the word metaphysical is? No, it's beyond the physical. And Christianity is a faith based upon spirit, upon that which is beyond the physical. Wake up. So I loved your definition, but the first thing that came to mind was, is, does social media fall under that category? Another one of those evils, you know, one of those bad guys, uh, because it is anything but social, uh, and especially the way that it has been weaponized over right. the last five and six years. Now, I don't know about you, and I know people say, no, Richard, you need to have this. I don't have a Facebook account. I've had one twice, and I got rid of both of them. I do have a Twitter account, All I use that for predominantly is to let people know that, oh, guess what? My interview with Emmanuel Etier is is on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, That's pretty much what I use it for, to let people know that it's out there. Uh, I do have an Instagram account, but I haven't figured out for the life of me how to incorporate that yet. So I, I haven't posted anything. I just... Uh, and, and I've even heard from friends of mine, they'll be out with their partners, their wives or husbands eating uh, at a restaurant when we were doing that. And somebody would walk up to me and say, uh, up to them and say, hi, I'm friends with you on Facebook. And they go, uh, who are you? Hi. <laughs> um, now, I use uh, another social media platform called LinkedIn to get guests for this program. There are some incredible people on on LinkedIn. There are some unusual people on LinkedIn as well. But um, those are the resources that I use social media for, if you will. But in terms of- It goes back to the definition of the word social, which one of them is the notion of allies. And, And again, it's to form alliances. Yeah. You know, 
So social media should be used as a tool to form alliances with other people yeah. to reach out. But the but, question but don't become an addict. Right. Don't become an addict. But the question too many people are addicted. They right. Post 10 times. They but, go to the bathroom, they post it. They go to eat, they post it. Yeah. I don't like, need to on. know that. I don't need to exactly. know that. Exactly. But but you you use the word alliances and that word has such uh, I almost want to say militaristic and or political <laughs> connotations. You see what I'm saying? Uh, but I, it doesn't have to be. Again, no, it doesn't. Uh, I, I, like the, I like the term community. I, I really do. Yeah, I, I like the term. Same thing. It is you know, the same thing. Uh, but Alliance is really a bond of marriage. It's a union. So yeah. that's what it is. That's a real definition. So mm -hmm. even so, mm -hmm. it was misused. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be. It's like, by the way, the word religion. Religion has two uh, uh, origins, religare and religare. Religare is a notion of, of binding together, of uniting. And religare is of transcending and reread. So religion can be good. Yeah. If, again, not abuse of. Yeah. The problem is people abuse religion. Yeah. So it becomes totalitarianism at the end. And as you said, they don't even know what Christianity is, as if Christ wanted you to become a little soldier and a little robot believing everything and nothing. Yeah. Absolutely not. He was a punk. He was a rebel. He fought all these crazy monsters of uh, fascist uh, Romans and rabbis. I mean, he was a revolutionary. So yeah. become a revolutionary. Don't let yourself be enslaved by any system, whatever it is, by anybody, yeah. whoever they are. I found it fascinating yeah. uh, how I would hear the the commentary, so to speak, uh, from the, the, the former administration uh, uh, followers. Uh, about uh, how everybody else was, they were a bunch of sheep. And then when I saw the January 6th event, I'm going, I'm sorry, who are the sheep? You know, uh, you are following the dictates of somebody else. You're not thinking for yourself. Exactly. And, you know, uh, because of the way that it went, how do you know, sheep, that you wouldn't have been of one of those that had been killed, that had been maimed and wounded. And how smart is that? And how productive is that? And how is that making this world a better place? Now, exactly. I realize that uh, the founding of our country, the United States, uh, was founded on violence, a war, a revolutionary war. I get that. I understand that. And here we are today. But that kind of raises this question I'd love for you to talk about, especially in the context of, of consciousness as well as human behavior. I've learned that the energy that is used in the conceiving of an infant will determine to a greater or lesser degree the, the temperament, shall we say. In other words, if a, a if the resources of the husband and wife are brought together, as you as you alluded to earlier, are brought together in, let's say, an angry or maybe even a drunken stupor or something along those lines, instead of a conscious intent to bring into this world the continuation of life. I don't consider it new life. I consider it a continuation. Anyway, that energy goes into that individual. Well, when 
other things are born, like companies or even countries, the energy that is created to bring that into, into existence permeates its existence. Doesn't mean it has to go down that road. But this country was founded under the energies of violence, of bloodshed, of war. And we even fought against ourselves in the Civil War. And uh, then in the 20th century, we fought against everybody else throughout that century. Uh, so it raises the question of how we, Emmanuel, how do we begin that process if we want peace in our world, you know, as Gandhi said, be the peace, you know, that you want, be the change you want to see. From your perspective, where do we begin with that? I mean, I know it begins with me, but how do I start? Absolutely. Well, you are, you are talking about Gandhi. You know, I, I'm Gandhi with the boxing gloves of Muhammad Ali. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a boxer, but I've got a hurt. But I spank you with love. I'm going to spank you. But I spank you with love. Okay. And that's, that's, that's who I am. Uh, so I'm Gandhi with the boxing glove of Ali. What does that mean, really, is that it, that's the answer to your question. I think, you know, it's about the old French quote, I think, therefore I am. Mm -hmm. But you, mm -hmm. the American, completed that quote by saying, just do it. So it's, I think, therefore I am, therefore I do. So you have to first analyze who you are. What are your thoughts? Uh, do I have thoughts of destruction or thoughts of creation? And that's going to determine who you are truly mm -hmm. and then with who you are you have to put that in action because if not you, you become so frustrated that you're gonna fall into depression or, or worse commit suicide addiction you know when we say how oh, he's having a, a midlife crisis he left his wife for a young bimbo or or he fell into a depression and now he's a heroin addict midlife crisis well that's because you had thoughts of who you wanted to be you eventually became that being in your 20s, but you gave up and you didn't never put these thoughts and this being into action. So that that's where the key is, is, is about, again, being aware of what you think you are meant to be, become that and then act on that. Hmm. And that's the last the last motion the last step the acting is very tough because again everybody around you is going to tell you hey you're not good enough hey you don't have that education hey you don't have an mba hey you don't have money hey you're white hey you're black you know they, they always put you no 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 in front of your path yeah. well just blow that the word no doesn't exist it's a figment of your imagination it's always yes but yes but so it's not yes you know, people will say, oh, live in the moment, live into the yes. That's naive. That's too much. No, be, be more reasonable. It's yes, but yes, I'm going to become president of France. But what does it take? Mm -hmm. And what are the steps? So I think I am president. I am president. I'm becoming president. And, and so it applies for anything, you mm -hmm. know, to build a house. I am an architect. I am the architect. I'm doing the drawing. I'm looking for the financing. I'm building my house. Uh, I want to be a radio show host. I think it, I beat, and here we are. We're doing it. Yeah. So it's 
it's it's simple in terms of conceiving a beautiful world where everybody is a, a self-creator and then we are co-creator by joining forces. Because as you see it today on that show, if it was just Richard or Emmanuel talking to themselves, it would become very, very narcissistic and very boring very quickly, yeah. like maddening. Yeah. So again, they, they, there is no mad dreams uh, unless uh, you just... Uh, isolate yourself and, and die with your own madness. But if you share your madness and you have a method to your madness and a plan to your madness, it becomes a beautiful reality. It becomes divine. Yeah. And that, that's for me the notion of divine. It's, it's that oneness, that co-creatorship, that co-partnership where everything is possible if we just dare to say to each other, hey man, I've got this idea. Hey girl, I've got this idea. Do you want to marry me? Let's have kids. Oh, okay. Well, okay, let's do it. You know, it's, yeah. it's work. Again, it's sure. work. That's a problem. People think it's going to be easy. No, it's, nothing is easy. It's always work. It's a process. But it starts with you uh, being honest with yourself, yeah. speaking your truth, reaching out, sharing your truth, and see if uh, it can be validated and, uh, and put into motion, into action. Mm -hmm. I think, therefore I am, therefore I do. And it's interesting that uh, it, what you brought to my mind was something that uh, my folks shared with me. Um, I have shared with the others that my parents had six kids, of which I am the third in line. Eldest male, but I'm third behind my two older sisters. And they're going, wow, your folks must have really sacrificed a lot in order to have all six of you. Well, I put that to my mother and father. And it goes to the root of what you just said. They told me, no, we didn't sacrifice anything because we wanted a big family. And when you talk about it being hard work, sure. But behind it all, the core was, this might be hard, but... This is what we wanted, a big family. A big, loving, caring, compassionate, diverse family. And that's what they've got. And now they have not only grandkids, they have great-grandkids, which makes me a great uncle. I'm, I'm pretty jazzed about that at 60. So I think that's what it comes down to is you don't have to sacrifice anything you have to focus on what it is that you want and whether or not you are willing, there's that but, whether you're willing to do the things that are necessary to make it happen. Think it, be it, do it, you know, as you say. And uh, as I think, therefore I am, therefore I do. And, uh, and so here we are today talking with Emmanuel Ittier. He's a, uh, he's a humanitarian filmmaker. Actually, the, I believe the correct phrasing of that is an humanitarian filmmaker, as I learned in English. Uh, I always find that interesting. Uh, I, I, I'm really big on uh, uh, the, using the correct terminology, grammar, words, and so forth. I hear the word historical, and I'm going... Couldn't you say that that's not a, an historical event, that's an historic 
event. I, I suppose historical is a word, but historic seems to me like it would just it would apply just fine. That's like uh, regardless and irregardless. No such word is irregardless. It's either regardless or it's not regardless. <laughs> either or. Anyway, enough of the English. I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program as I get a little sidetracked. Uh, this has been fascinating. You have... Uh, you have a number of films, again, available on Amazon Prime and all of the the uh, uh, the other outlets that are available, iTunes and so forth. And I'm going to start looking up some of these on, on Prime, which I happen to have, uh, because, you know, you and I do, sh- do share uh, um, a, I, I will call it a kindred philosophy. Um, and I basically, I'm only 60. I'm, I'm. I, and, and my dad will be 90 this year, 2021, 90. And I asked him how he felt about the outcome of the election. And he was really, eh, you know, well, we'll see, you know. If he's at 90 and he's frustrated about the whole situation, I'm 60. I'm frustrated about the whole situation uh, as as I observe it. Okay. The common man on this planet hasn't it hasn't gotten better for the common man. It's only gotten worse. And so the systems, the isms that we live under today that are in existence, they um, they uh, basically aren't working. So we need to come up with some new ones. I want to thank you again for joining us here on the program. We are going to allow folks to um, find your films on YouTube, which would be fantastic, and Vimeo, as well as uh, the other outlets as, uh, that you have shared with us. Um, we the People, I think, is a wonderful film that folks might want to take a look at. I mentioned Guns, Bombs, and War. Uh, that's uh, coming it, in uh, April. The new one is coming out in April from Vision Films, that's Guns, Bombs, and War. Okay. So right now you can find... You can find on iTunes, Amazon, and Vimeo, The Invocation, yeah. Femme, Shamanic Tracker, which was a movie I did on shamans in, in Peru, The Cure, With the People. So you've got two, four, five movies of mine uh, out there on pretty much every digital uh, platform. You know, we might even, uh, well, there is I no... Send them, I send them to you uh, as private screener in the chat. So if you open your chat... I I see that. Thank you very much. I'll I'll copy and paste that so I can I can do that. Uh, I want to have you back. Not may we may no. We're gonna have you back again, because I would like to dive into more about consciousness. But I would also like to dive into uh, the shamanic trekker uh, and sure. shamanism and that whole aspect. I have interviewed people who say that they are shamans, they have trained and so forth, and I've always been fascinated. I've been fascinated by rabbis and the, the, the in-depth study that they must go through and the insights that they share with me, a born, born and raised Catholic Christian, as it were. Today, I consider myself a metaphysician, but I also take this position, Emmanuel, and I think it's the most honest position for anybody who has whatever the philosophy is to take the agnostic position. I don't know. That's why I I loved. 
a lot of words people are scared of agnotism and we have to remind them that agnotism means that you don't know i, do, I so don't when you agnotism and by the way by the way in all the scripture god is all and all is god so god is not defined anytime uh, it, it can be a it it can be a he it can be a she it can be nothing we have no idea what we know is that all of these molecules they are dancing together and they are creating life that's all we know we don't even totally understand how, how it works but now let's go look for god guys yeah and girls yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i encourage folks to go to your website which is wonderlandentgroup.com and by the way that ent i believe stands for entertainment so wonderland Absolutely. entertainment group but it's wonderlandentgroup.com we will be linked to your website as well emmanuel so that people can find out more about you and the work that you're doing and uh we will schedule another interview with you i'll send you an email with some additional dates and times and see what we can can, uh, we can put together because uh, obviously there is still so much more that we can chat about. Again, I, I would love to continue uh, and then go into the uh, the particular film on shamanism, the shaman, shamanic trek trekker, but also um, would love to talk about and I hope I pronounce this correctly, uh, fem, because a lot of people are under the misconception that the feminine energy. Uh, that's out there that that is now and has been for the last few years really been pushing its way into society into our civilizations uh, people have the misconception that they want to take over and that is not what they want to do that is not what this energy wants to do it wants to do what you said earlier blend mix balance because Partner. When we are to partner, with to partner yeah. because when we, we want do to that create with it. and create, that's how we create. Yeah. By the way, in the belly of your mother, you're both feminine and masculine for three months. I'd heard it. I'd heard it. I'd heard so it said that we were actually feminine. I heard that initially. Yeah, yeah, initially, and then we are feminine and masculine, ah. and then there is eventually a separation. So we embody anyway these energies. Mm. You know, it's the same. It's one. Again, it's that's how you create life. So why the conflict? Well, there is a conflict because indeed, indeed, some people are prostituting the movement. Like some feminists are abusing feminism. Some me too are abusing me too. So it's when you start abusing an idea and a concept that you appear totalitarian and that it scares people for the right reason, <laughs> for the right reason. Exactly. I don't want to be governed only by women because they wouldn't be representative of the macho idiot I am. You know, I want macho <laughs> idiots and beautiful women. And exactly. Together we can figure it out, maybe. Exactly. Well, before I let you go, I want to uh, uh, ask you three final questions. I ask all of my guests. You may have addressed them during the interview, but I'd like to ask these directly. Before I do, I want to remind you, the listener, that uh, you can hear these programs. You're also the viewer, if you're watching this on YouTube, that you can uh, go to SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, or RichardDugan.com to listen to the podcast, as well as listen live on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. And again, as I said, YouTube, we're there, so please... Um, avail yourselves of the YouTube channel. Tell me your story and Richard Dugan. Just look for the man with the hat. And uh, if you can support us, we'd be grateful for that. Uh, 
a PayPal account for your security as well as ours. We also encourage you to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s. We hope that you will spend that time going within, uh, getting still, quiet, and calm, and then listening to that still small voice uh, that will help you to stay focused on what your dreams are because we are here to give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And now to my guest, question one of three, who is Emmanuel Etier? <laughs> the next president of France. That's an easy one. And I hope you don't forget the little people along the way. Number two. People. I'll always be a little people. <laughs> my, 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 my quote is, uh, I the people, we president. I like it. I that's, like it. That's my feeling. All right. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? liberate the mind of people. I, I, I'm really tired of seeing us still being enslaved by our mind. I always say we are right now in the Bastille, the French Bastille, and I need, I need to bring down that mind Bastille. So that, that's really what I want to do. And finally, what is your life's purpose? To go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and off he goes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in my PJs. I'm always ready to go have a good nap. I hear you. you. Know. My last purpose, again, is, is to be of service uh, to each other. You know, I, I really believe in when I say I am because we are, I, 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 I'm truly that. I, I know that I'm only the result of, of the combination of everybody else's mind and energies. You know, I am because Richard is. I am because my wife is. I am because my kids are. Uh, Again, I'm, I'm a simple idiot and I'm a beautiful genius at the same time, you mm -hmm. know, in the same body. It's a, and it's not conflicting. It's it, actually it's liberating because if you think about it, man, if you were all the time a genius, that would be draining. <laughs> you know, excuse my French. You know, it, it would be crazy. That, that, by the way, that's, that would be a beautiful documentary. What's the, 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 what the borderline between being a genius and a madman? You know, I think for me, a, a madman is somebody who is too geniuses, mm. too genius. You know, it's when you are that intelligent, your mind snipes onto itself. Yeah. So just accept to be genius one second a day and an idiot the rest of the time. That means you can go back to bed with me you know, and relax. <laughs> right, exactly. And let other people manage manage life, you know. Again, that's why we are beyond people. Why do you want to be the savior of the world 24-7? Makes no sense. Exactly. Everybody else is your slave. That makes no sense. Emmanuel Letier, thank oh, you so, so much uh, so much for joining us here on the program. And uh, I look forward to having you back again very soon, and we will continue our conversation. And I thank you for listening and viewing Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lull.